welcome to all who have joined us for worship at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Kingston. Members, friends, and seekers alike, I, like you, have been worshiping alone in front of my TV beside my husband Ken at what we like to call the church on the couch. It's altogether different today for me to be conducting worship in front of all these empty pews. I miss real, live worship with this community. But I truly believe that though the big blue doors of our church building are locked, the true church, the people of God, are alive and well and just as busy worshiping and serving as they ever have been. Join me as we are called to worship in the words of the psalmist. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 7, 
and we will read this responsibly. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scripture is read, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. The lesson is taken from the New Testament, from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, and 36 to 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. 
He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. Amen. Thanks be to God for these readings of his holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I love the parables of Jesus. I love how they are such ordinary stories you can relate to, but in the end, they pack a real spiritual punch. They are earthly stories 
with heavenly meanings. When I read the parables, I try to figure out who each character in the story represents. There is usually a God figure, sometimes a third party, and then there is you and me. Many parables have a surprise ending and an even more surprising meaning. Today and next Sunday, I will share two of Jesus' parables with you to discern that universal spiritual meaning behind these two parables. And I invite you to enter into the stories in your own imagination and pretend that you are each one of the characters in turn. Reflecting on the parables in this way will bring you new insights and hopefully new ways of applying the truths to your everyday life. If you are a person like me who has moved quite a bit during your life, one of the things you may have done is to go church shopping. While church shopping, you go to a selection of local churches in your new locale to find just the right church where God is leading you to worship. There may be a shopping list of things you were looking for in a church. Here have been some of mine. They need to be a friendly and welcoming people. There needs to be good preaching, a minister who is approachable, and last but not least, the kind of music I like. And due to my own personal church experience, one that doesn't have a lot of dissension going on. Think about your own shopping list. Would it even include a place where I can offer my own gifts? I have to admit my list has not always included that one. Too often, our lists are rather self-serving. The problem is, some of the things I want to avoid in a church don't really become visible until I have attended that church for a period of time. Church shopping is not something that I enjoy doing, and I hope that I never have to move and do that again. Well, the story is told, of a man who went from church to church hoping to find just the right one, the perfect church, to lay down roots in. At one of the many churches he attended, he told the minister that he was shopping for the perfect church. The minister wisely said to him, I hope you never find the perfect church because the moment you join it, it will no longer be perfect. Sadly, the man never went back to that church. He was looking for something that doesn't exist. We are not perfect people, therefore we will never be the perfect church. The parable Jesus told in the reading today from the Gospel of Matthew confirms that reality. How many of you 
have or have had a flower or a vegetable garden. Look at this painting by Vincent van Gogh called The Sower. It is an ordinary scene of a farmer sowing his seed, likely wheat, since that is what crop is in the background. The brilliant sun is setting. What an idyllic scene. Yet, if you look closer, you might see some black crows behind the farmer, already plucking up the seeds that he has just sown. I wonder if the farmer knows they are there. Regardless, he seems unconcerned. He is experienced enough to know that there is more than enough seed to share. He trusts that his harvest will be full in spite of the crows or any other thing that might cause problems. I do not have a green thumb, but I do have a lot of perennial flowers in the front and backyards of my home. Plus, my husband tries to put in a small vegetable garden every spring. Why is it that no matter what we do, there always seems to be an abundance of weeds growing in the midst of the good plants. As you know, one of the biggest enemies of a garden is weeds. Oh yes, and the bunnies with whom we share our vegetables. Weeds rob the soil of the nutrients that help your plants produce and they can choke out the good plants. We go away to our cottage for a few days, and when we return, the weeds are almost taller than the tomato plants, and it isn't always easy to tell them apart. In the early summer, before there are flowers or vegetables in the garden, there are weeds, which in the early stages sometimes look very much like new plants. So when the weeds inevitably get away from us, we finally go to the garden to wage battle with them. However, if you aren't careful, it's so easy to pull out the plants along with the weeds. The garden divas of St. Andrews know all about this. They've mastered it. The gardens around our church are evidence of that. And heaven forbid that you should take weed killer to the weeds because that will kill anything that is green. It doesn't know the difference. It kills both the good plants and the weeds at the same time. What happens in the parable is this. The farmer sows good seed in his field. That night, an enemy comes and sows weeds right in the same field where the wheat seed has been sown. No one realizes it until the spring comes, when the weeds rise up out of the ground alongside the wheat. The field was a mess. The servants couldn't tell where the wheat began and the weeds ended. They go to their master and ask, where did these weeds come from? And the master answers, the enemy planted them. 
Don't you want us to pull them out? No, the master answered. If you do that, you might uproot the wheat along with the weeds. Let them grow together until the harvest time, and then I'll tell the reapers to collect the weeds first and burn them. Then the good wheat will be gathered into my barn. Notice that the master isn't concerned in the least that the wheat will get choked out by the weeds. He knows that what he has planted will come to harvest at the right time. Have you ever wondered if your church would be better off without those other people with whom you so vigorously disagree about theology, doctrine, music, or just how things ought to be done? In the parable, the master, who represents God, says that the servants, we who are in the church, are not to get involved with separating the wheat from the weeds. If we do so, we might damage the tender wheat as well. We who are followers of Jesus can actually do great harm to the new life Jesus is creating in us and others. If we judge others too harshly, put on our garden gloves, get the weed killer, and head out to wage battle with those we think are the problem. They are the weeds while we are the wheat, supposedly. This parable reminds us that relying on our own human capacity and judgment might result in destroying the good along with the bad. Only God knows our hearts. Only God can judge the weeds from the wheat. Those who will be in the kingdom and those who will be burned in the fire of God's judgment on the last day. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, God's purpose is not wrathful judgment. God's purpose is always redemption, and the road to redemption is by way of reconciliation. Faith is a journey and Along the way, we encounter many who, like us, began as weeds in the kingdom of God, but surely, slowly, grow into beautiful and healthy plants in God's garden, the church. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, the Bible promises. That is the hope of the gospel. The reason Christ came into the world to turn the weeds of our lives into a healthy harvest of the fruit of his spirit. Besides, I don't want to be in a perfect church. How boring is that? Yet I too often confuse the weeds with the wheat in a bewildering attempt to weed out the people I don't agree with or whom I think do not belong. Frankly, sometimes I don't belong either. At times my heart is full of weeds which are choking out the good fruit in my life, the weeds of doubt, fears, 
and the sin we all struggle with. If I had been pulled out and tossed into the fire, where would I be today? Some days I feel like I am a seed being planted or a blossoming flower, and other days I am the weed. I am reminded of the saying at such times, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. The fact is, the the church is not a hotel for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. Thanks be to God that he is the master gardener, and God is the one who gently prunes over a lifetime the weeds and the unproductive growth, the sin in my life. We need each other with all our faults and foibles, As we live and work together in the church, we rub up against each other, our rough edges soften. We become more Christ-like and forgiving, growing in grace every day, gradually learning to accept each other in all our beautiful diversity. I have been surprised many times in my life by those I thought were so close to God, who were living a godly life, and then who did something so contrary to who I thought they were. According to this parable, those who present their righteousness for the world to see and who feel superior to everyone else just might end up as pieces of kindling when all is said and done. Yet I've also seen the most critical and bitter person change over time into a humbler and more compassionate follower of God. But until that happens, the weeds look very much like the wheat. We are all together in the same garden. There will be a time for judgment, but it belongs to the master gardener who in God's time and God's way, the wheat will someday be separated from the weeds. As God gently tends the garden, the church, we become filled with the fruit of God's spirit. Until then, we wait patiently for God to do what God does best, to change us into his very likeness. Meanwhile, God calls each of us to be who we are, the people of God, not merely a bunch of individual stalks of wheat in the midst of the world, but a wheat field called the church, living alongside the weeds, but faithfully living out and speaking forth the mercy and grace of the one who has planted us right in the midst of a world of weeds, We will never be the perfect church I spoke of earlier, but we will be God's people, fallen and forgiven, weeds and wheat, living the gospel together, challenging each other to be more and more like Jesus. That is who we are. That is whose we are.
Amen.
as we enter into a time of prayer, I'm very mindful of the strife and the catastrophe that has happened in Beirut this week. So I invite you to keep those people in your prayers this week, as I will. And we can't ignore the effects of this pandemic, this pandemic that is going to go on for much longer than anyone of us expected. And so we need to pray for encouragement and strength and for safety to surround us. And lastly, this is a personal request of mine. I have a very good friend I've had my whole life long. And she's in the last stages of pancreatic cancer as we speak. She lives in Amsterdam, so during the pandemic, I have not been able to go see her, nor she come to Canada to see her family. And now she's at the end of her life, so please remember my friend Beth in your prayers. Let us pray. Master Gardener, we thank you for your church, for all of us together, sometimes wheat, sometimes weeds, but always, as you gently prune us and transform us, weeds into wheat. Help us to be patient with you and with each other as you slowly but surely work in us to make us ready for the final harvest. Help us not to rush to judgment of others, but to leave that to you, trusting that you know our hearts far better than we even know them ourselves. Until that day, we wait in hope, working to bring about your kingdom here on earth. Today, I am giving thanks for my oldest and dearest friend, Beth, who has entered palliative treatment. Thank you for her life of service to you and to others around the world. She has touched so many lives. Be near to her each day as she moves closer to eternity. May she be pain-free and surrounded by those nearby who love her. Allow her the peace she needs to let go of this life and enter into yours. We pray for all the places in the world which are groaning under a heavy burden of war, persecution, and suffering. We particularly pray for our brothers and sisters in Beirut, Lebanon, as the tragedy they have suffered this past week continues to reveal yet more suffering. Bring aid quickly. We pray for the church there that they would be able to provide comfort and hope for their communities. We pray for the needs of the Syrian refugees who recently fled their own country's problems only to face this catastrophe in Lebanon. Provide food and water and medical assistance for all those who need it. Lord, 
have mercy. We ask your blessing on all who are suffering today, illnesses of body, mind, and spirit, for all who are grieving and for the hungry and poor in our own midst. Keep us safe during this pandemic and ever closer to you, O God. We add our own prayers as we remember those who are dear to us in silent prayer. We pray for your church in the world and here at St. Andrews, that your spirit would be poured out upon us and make us more like you. Let us pray together in the words you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
go in peace. Make disciples of all nations, and may the Lord of the harvest bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and all your days. Amen.